Okay. Blanket. A blanket or other familiar item carried, especially by a young child, to provide reassurance and feeling of psychological security. So, the question is, does a security blanket actually provide security? Or just the feeling of security? And what are the chances that we might be confidently clinging to things that are just actually security blankets? We hold on to different things in our lives that make us feel safe. We hold on to things that make us feel secure. But if someone were to threaten me, with a weapon, or if someone were to push me out into rush hour traffic in some major city, this blanket would not make me any safer. But we have this idea that because we hold on to these things, and we can hold on to them really tightly and carry them with us for a long time, we think that they make us safe, they make us secure. And just like a child's blanket, as we've talked about over the past five weeks, these things are really just a mirage. They're a facade of security. They're a false security. And we view a lot of times things that we've done as the same way when we approach God. We think that we're safe, that we're okay because of things that we've done or because we're, we're good, right? And we've done a lot of good things. And we hold on to these things and cling to them tightly and they make us feel like we're okay. And we get this idea that I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, and since we're all okay, let's just talk about fluffy, happy things and not deal with anything difficult because it's easier to just hold on to this feeling of security. And one of the things that God dealt with me about, even just a couple of months ago, was the issue of pride, where He confronted me in a certain area where I began to hold on to certain things, and I thought, well, I'm okay. I'm a pastor. I'm doing more good than I'm doing bad, right? So that makes me okay. And I didn't realize it was a security blanket that I was holding on to. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about how we need to let go of our security blankets and we need to hold on to the fact that it is in Christ alone that we are saved. It is Christ only and it is His grace alone and it is by faith we receive that message of grace and we know this from the Scripture alone. And today we're going to talk about the reason that we are saved, and that is for the glory of God alone. And you know, pride can be very sneaky. It's not always this idea of grandstanding or this idea of boasting. Now, look what I could do. It's not always that. It's not always, look at how great I am. I'm going to shout it from the mountaintops. Sometimes pride can be very, very sneaky and very subtle, and I came to such a realization back in January when I was on spiritual retreat with our staff, and I was spending some time alone with the Lord with my Bible and my journal, and I was in my room by myself, and I was just journaling some things and writing some things that I felt like God was dealing with me about, and normally when I go on spiritual retreat, God will deal with me about things with my marriage things with my children, things with the church, and he'll just kind of reveal to me some things in my heart, and I just try to write those things down. And so here I am with my Bible and my journal, and I'm writing these things down, and I write two words. And when I wrote these two words, I wrote them so fast, I really didn't even realize 
I wrote them. Because after I wrote them, I stopped writing. And I looked back at these two words, and then I put some emphasis around them. And as I looked at these two words, I couldn't write anything for a while afterwards because I was so grieved. And those two words that I wrote in my journal that day were these, glory thief, glory thief. I didn't realize that I had been a glory thief, and God began to deal with me in my heart about things that I was not even seeing, things that I had been blind to, because on the onset to most onlookers, they would look at those things as good things, and they would go, oh, those are all good things. But in my heart, God was bringing me to a new place of accountability because at the onset, these things looked good, but at my core, I wanted someone to notice. I wanted someone to notice my hard work. I wanted someone to notice the extra hours I'd put in. I wanted someone to notice the sacrifice or that I had a good idea, even to the point maybe where I would overtalk people as they were sharing because I wanted to jump in and my idea be a good idea and everyone go, oh yeah, pastor, your idea is good. And I didn't realize I had been doing this until God showed me. And God kind of took me on a journey right there in that moment of awareness of my sin. And He took me back to certain instances, both those that were recent and then some that were almost 20 years old. One specific one that He brought me back to was this instance where there was a young person that um, uh, God had given me gracious influence in his life. And he had done something really cool, and there was a lot of success around what he had done. And he loved to share with people the success of this particular thing that he did. But what everyone didn't know was that I did it first, and it was actually my idea that I gave to him. And so I would conveniently, almost every time when he would tell other people the story... I would jump in and go, oh yeah, that's great that he did that. He got that from me when he was younger. Yeah, and I, we did that before too. Glory thief. And God showed me that instance. And I was grieved over it. I actually went to that guy and I actually repented and told him. I said, hey, you remember this? God told me I was a glory thief. And I had been stealing glory and making it about me. Because what God faced me with, I believe, is the question that we all need to be faced with. Who are we doing this for? Why did you come to church today? Are you doing this to appease your spouse? Are you serving God because it looks right to your family? Because you would be ostracized if you didn't claim some measure of Christianity? You would be shunned? You'd be looked down upon? Is that why you're doing it? When we sang in worship a few moments ago, were you singing just because everyone else was doing it and you don't want to feel awkward or were you genuinely and sincerely singing about the goodness of our God and the holiness of our God and how we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb because you see that you truly are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb because you've received the message of the gospel and Christ has made you new? Or are you just going through these steps? And you think that because you go through these steps and because you do these good things, you cling tightly to those things that you've done and you miss out on Christ being enough and you think that it's all of these things I do that make me a good person. And I had slipped over into thinking I was doing all these things so that other people would see how good that I was and God said, who are you doing this for? 
We can so easily, church, get caught up in our achievements, our hard work, our morality, and we can begin to think that we're secure in God's eyes. And this becomes a security blanket that we hold tightly onto because we're doing all the right things. However, we were created for and to live for God's glory alone. Isaiah 42 and 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. God said, this is for me and me alone. So Lord, we come before you today and we ask in humility that you would open our ears, open our eyes, soften our hearts, and allow your spirit to speak and pierce the very core of who we are, that it would cause life change at the root, that it would cause, Lord, a revelation of your goodness and your grace and of our sin so that we could turn from it and repent and walk in newness of life that is only found in Christ. Help us to do that today by the power of your spirit and by the authority of scripture today. May your word, Lord, pierce us, and may it do the heart work needed to be done for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Part of the issue with holding on to these security blankets of our self-ambition or our goodness is that we really want to be the hero in the story. We want to be the one that all the good things happen to, we were bad before, and now we're on the good guys team, and we're doing good, and that's how we view ourselves, and that's how we often will even approach Scripture. But can I tell you this, that we are not the good guys, that we are not the heroes of the story, and we want to be. We want to be the hero of our own story, and that's how often we'll even read Scripture. And, but that's part of the problem is because we'll put ourselves in the hero's shoes. We think we're Daniel in the lion's den. Or we think we're Moses in the wilderness. Or we think that we're David fighting our metaphorical giant, our problem, our obstacle. You know, our, our Goliath is that we can't pay our car payment. Our Goliath is that our marriage is in shambles. Our Goliath is this. And we think that we think we're David. And I've even heard sermons where if you just take the word of God like that smooth stone and put it in your sling and release the word of God and it's going to hit that mountain and that mountain's going to fall. And we want to be David. And that's us taking Scripture and making it all about us. Folks, can I tell you that in the story of David and Goliath that we are not David, but we do have a part in that story? If you want to put yourself in that story, you want to know who we are? We're the scared Israelites that are over on the side, afraid to go to war, that can't in our own strength do this thing. That's who we are. You see, David is a type and shadow of Christ, not of you. You can't save yourself. This is Jesus all by himself, doing something and overcoming something that you could never overcome. Hello, somebody. But we want to be the hero because we want, we want to know that our goodness is causing the good things in our lives and that it's something we did. And folks, can I tell you, much like the rich young ruler going to talk to Jesus when he approached him and he said, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him and says, why are you calling me good? There's no one good except God. And the reason Jesus said that to this man is because he thought he had been good, because he had been following the Ten Commandments. 
And he was following a karma-based system of, I'm trying to do more good than bad, and if I do more good, then good things will happen, and if I'm doing bad, uh, then bad things are going to happen. And we hold on to the security blanket that we go, I, I'm holding on to my own goodness because we're wanting to be the hero. Listen, Jesus is the hero of the Bible, amen? Everything God did in those people in Scripture was to bring about His will and His good plan for His purpose, for the glory of God, not for us to try to be like them. I don't want to try to be like those people in the Bible. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to try to model my life just after those people because Christ is enough. Amen? When we talk about the glory of God, we have to address our motives, our why. And we have to evaluate those things under the lens of Scripture. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our impure motives. And listen to me carefully. This is not a one-time activity. Sometimes we'll just look at it as, oh, God dealt with me about this thing. He showed me this thing, and I repented, and praise God, I'm free. It's all, well, it's all done. It was just a magic pill. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Jesus, I appreciate it. Thank you for the deliverance. Thank you for the freedom. It's all over with. No, he ain't done with you. You didn't hit a new level of perfection. You still got issues. You still have things he's trying to show you. This is a process. And if you are going through this process of Christ revealing things to you and you repenting of those things and turning away from those things, that is a good indication that the Holy Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. If you think you're okay and you're holding onto your security blanket and you are not being dealt with your sin and you're not being sensitive to sin, can I tell you that I think you're holding on to something that is giving you a false hope? Something that's giving you a false hope that you're right with God because if the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you isn't actively convicting you of sin, then listen, does the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you? I want us to evaluate and see where we're at. What, what are we holding on to? Well, well I, I, was, I was baptized. I go to church every time the doors are open. I gave in the offering. I, I, I serve a lot. I give a lot of my time. And you know what? My neighbor cussed me out the other day because I put my trash can on pickup day on their lawn, and I didn't cuss them out back. I just said, well, God bless you. So I'm okay. I'm okay because I did this. I, you know, I, I don't get drunk. I don't go out and party. I, I, I you know, we, we listen to Christian music all the time. The, the kids have VeggieTales on repeat all the time. We're good holding on. And we feel like we're good and we're holding on to this thing and it's not making us any safer because we're holding on to it. But in our minds, we think that it does. And here's what we'll say. We'll say, well, God knows my heart. Yes, God does know your heart. God knows your heart. And we say that as if it's a good thing. My friend, can I tell you the fact that God knows your heart? We should not find comfort in that. <laughs> Because God knows your heart. So that means every time you get super spiritual and you say, well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm just doing so well. I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and I am not beneath. But I am highly favored and blessed of the Lord. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Did you see what he was wearing? Did you see what she did? Do you know what they're doing? You hear me today? We play the game, but God knows what? He knows our heart. He sees through the facade. He sees through the, how are you doing today? I'm blessed. What? You're blessed. 
Are you? Do you really understand what that means? Or are you just giving a Christian answer? Because you feel pressured to give a Christian answer because you're around Christian people and you put on the, the Christian happy face and everything's good and Christian. And we hold on to our security blankets because I played the game, because I was accepted by my peers, because everybody saw me at church today. Look who's at church today. It's me. We feel like we're secure. We feel like we're okay. And we'll say this when we get confronted with our sin or, or, or something comes up. We'll tell people, don't judge me. God knows my heart. Like, that's okay. Don't, because here's what we really want. We really want, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't want God to show us or reveal to us our sin. We don't want to deal with it. We want to say, don't judge me. God knows my heart. I'm okay. Why don't we just do this? I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. I won't talk about your sin. You won't talk about my, my, mine. And happy, happy, happy. We're all good, right? Let's just not talk about this. Let's not deal with this. This makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do anything uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about anything uncomfortable. I don't want to be in a room where uncomfortable things are discussed. I don't want to read those passages in the Bible. I just want all the love. Well, part of the love is correction. He said, my son whom I discipline and I chasten is one that I love. And it's not that God's trying to embarrass you or shame you or hurt you. It's that He's trying to show you your sinfulness. Why? Because He knows your heart. Proverbs 16 and verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All of a person's ways seem pure to them. I'm good. I think I'm doing really well. And the real security blanket that we're holding on to is the belief that I'm good. This is really what we're holding on to when we're holding on to our security blanket. We're holding on to the belief that I'm good. I'm okay. You're okay. We're good, right? I'll wear it. I'm good. I'll be wrapped up in it. I'm secure. I'm safe. I'm okay. And we're not holding on to the fact that it's not my goodness that saves me but rather it's Christ's goodness, but I'm trusting in my goodness, thus trusting in something that cannot save me or make me secure. But I'm good. I'm doing good. No one is good but God. God gets to define goodness, not you, not me. I'm good. No, the only thing that makes me okay is Christ in me. Christ in me is the only thing okay about me because apart from Christ, no good thing in me exists. Apart from me, you might think it's good. You might go, oh, he's good. No, only Christ in me is good. And he makes me righteous in the eyes of God. That means he took my place. The substitutionary atonement on the cross was him taking the penalty and the punishment for your sin and my sin. So we didn't have to get that punishment. That's the gift of God, the grace of God. How dare we, after the great sacrifice of Jesus, try to put our hope and our faith in our own goodness, but people do it every day. Even people who have heard the message of the gospel are deluded thinking they have, they have received because they're, they're under a delusion that somehow because I do all these things, I'm okay and I'm good. The real security blanket, the one that most of us hold on to is this one. This is the one we, most of us hold on to. And we say we're okay, we're good. Isn't it funny that when we're confronted with our sin, 
that we want to run and defend our sin. Don't judge me. Why are you talking about that to me? Don't judge me. Why don't we run away from it and defend it? Why instead are we not grieved over it? Why are we not grieved over our sin when God brings it to us? Because Scripture says godly sorrow works repentance. Godly sorrow is okay. God's not into the shaming business. He's not wagging his finger at you. He's not beating you over the head. He's not, he's not uh, uh, publicly humiliating you. He's not trying to harm you or condemn you. But it is the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. And that's part of this deal of knowing that I'm in Christ is that he's leading me and guiding me into all truth. Because here's the thing. You are free in Christ as you're ever going to be right now if you're really in Christ. That's the truth. Whether or not you realize that and walk in that, that's a different story. But you are as free. Jesus doesn't need to go die on the cross again for you. Amen? He did it once and for all, for all of us. So that's been broken. You are as free as you're ever going to be. Now, your experience of that freedom and walking free from sin is going to be determined on what you're holding on to. Because if I'm clinging closely to my security blankets, then it's up to me. If I'm clinging tightly to the cross of Jesus Christ, then the sweeter the message of the gospel becomes, the more my eyes become open and I see my need for Jesus, the freer that I begin to see that I truly am. And Jesus becomes enough. All of a sudden, I don't need that alcohol. I don't need that substance. I don't need that money. I don't need that sexual relationship. I don't need that pornography. I don't need those, uh, th th those friends that are going to lead me down a path of gossip and lying and, and, and backbiting. I don't need that next position at the company to make me feel like I'm somebody. I don't need that big house anymore. I don't need that fancy car anymore. I don't need X amount of dollars in my account to make me feel okay and safe. Because Christ has all of a sudden become enough for me. And here's the most beautiful thing about it. I no longer fear death if I'm in Christ. Because death has been defeated. It's lost its sting. The grave has no victory. Can I tell you, I do not fear death. Not because I'm so great and brave, because I'm not. But because I know what Christ has done. And I know where my eternal resting place is going to be. Because I put my hope and my trust in what Christ has done, not what I've done. Amen? So therefore, death, which was once the biggest enemy of us all, has become the widest door to our greatest reward. It's become the widest door to our greatest reward, getting to be with Christ forever. My greatest reward. So death has been flipped on its back, and it's lost all of its power and the fear that it once had over us. If we're in Christ, if we're holding on to security blankets of the now, then we are scared to death of death. We are afraid of death. We are afraid of what we're going to lose. We're afraid of what we're, we can't control. We're going to be afraid of what we can't hold on to, what, what I can't do, because we want to hold tightly to it because it makes us feel secure. Oh, I want to make sure I have all this taken care of. I want to make sure I do all this. I want to make sure all that. And we live our lives in complete fear when we understand that this is just a vapor. This is just temporary. It changes our perspective because when you are in Christ, your priorities shift, amen? When you are in Christ, all of a sudden, you begin to see this kingdom value system that you didn't see before. You get a new set of glasses, you get a new set of lenses that you begin to see the world through, that all of a sudden, the things that were important to you now are not as important, and things that weren't really important to you all of a sudden become very important. 
because now the way you manage your money is different because you're thinking about eternity, not just what I can get now. When you look at your relationships, you begin to think about them differently because you're looking at them through the lens of eternity, not just through the lens of the now. You begin to become more concerned for people's souls than you are whether or not something great happened to them here in the now because your concern becomes for eternity. The things that grieve you become eternal things, not just temporal things. When you see people rejecting Christ, when you see people holding on to their security blankets, when you see people holding on to false hopes, things that make them feel good about themselves, and you're like, no, and that's where I've come to as your pastor, and which is why I've been hammering hard on this message of the gospel to you lately more than ever before because I want to make sure you're not holding on to this. I want to make sure that you're holding on to Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to God except through Him. It is Jesus. He's the gate. He's the way. No other. It's what He did, not what you did, because it's not about your goodness. It's about His goodness and His faithfulness. Amen? When we were faithless, He is still faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we see His goodness and His love. Not just something that's impacting us here in the now, but something that's going to impact us now and forever. And then we begin to steward now differently. We begin to steward the present differently than we did before. We begin to be broken over our sin because we want to live in a way that's going to honor and glorify God. Go over to Psalm 51. <clears throat> King David had fallen tremendously. He had went and slept with a married woman, and then she became pregnant. He has her husband killed intentionally in battle by placing him on the very front lines, guaranteeing his death. And David is trying to cover up his sin. He's trying to run away from it. He's trying to trust in his own goodness. He's trying to trust in the fact that I was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the king. I was the guy that was slaying Goliath. And then I went and chased after his brothers. I'm a big, bad dude. And, and God, you remember? King Saul, remember? Yet yeah, God, you remember when Saul, remember when he tried to kill me and I saw him when he was using the bathroom and I could have killed him and I didn't kill him? You remember how good I was when I didn't kill Saul and could have? You remember that? He could have trusted in his own goodness and looked at all the good things he had done. Remember when we, me and my mighty men won all these victories for these people that were wicked and evil? And you, you give, Remember when I did that for you? You remember when, when, the, when the Ark of the Covenant comes back and I danced unashamed before the people because I was so excited that they hear your presence is coming into the city and that the Ark of the Covenant, you remember how much I love you? He could have held on to all those things. And the prophet uh, comes to him and confronts him and tells him a story about someone who had taken something from someone else. And David becomes outraged. And David said, let's find this man and let's make sure that he gets what's coming to him. And the prophet looks at David and says, my king, you are that man. And in that moment, David had a choice when he was confronted with his sin. Much like I had a choice when God said, glory thief. Much like you have a choice when God confronts you with whatever he's confronting you with today. 
You can go back and hold on to your goodness, or you can do as David did in Psalm 51 after experiencing this in verse 3, where he said, let's, let's back up to verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, O Lord, and you only have I sinned, and I've done what's evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your willing with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach your transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from my blood guiltiness, O Lord, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud your praises. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would have given it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O oh Lord, you will not despise. David wasn't just going, sorry about that, sleeping with Bathsheba thing, God. We're cool, right? Like, I'm okay, you're okay. He was grieved over his sin. Are you seeing what happened here? He began to see the ugliness of his sin. When he was confronted with it, he could have run to the blanket. And he could have held on to the blanket of his own goodness. But instead, he chose to take the position of repentance when his eyes were opened. When was the last time you were broken over your sin? When was the last time you were broken over your sin? Can I tell you that part of the evidence that you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you is that you will not be okay with sin? You will not say, oh, it's good, you're good, I'm good. Can I tell you that if the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and He's showing you actively the things in your life that are not pleasing to God, that are not bringing glory to God, can I tell you that He's not wanting to shame you? He's not wanting to point His finger at you? He's not wanting to harm you, but He's wanting to lovingly and in His goodness draw you to a place of repentance, a place of turning away to where now your sensitivity to that sin becomes heightened because just like me, when God spoke those words of glory thief to me, when I'm in a situation, and I even had, listen, I even had to pray about being able to share that with you guys this morning, because even in my transparency and my vulnerability to the congregation, I could go, I'm a good person, I'm a good pastor, because look at how transparent I am with my congregation. You see how sneaky pride is? Do you see that? You see how wicked that joker is, that even in me sharing that, and so I had to pray and say, God, you've got to give me the green light to even be able to share this, because I don't want this to be another layer of me going right back into that junk. But you see, I'm more sensitive to it now because God showed me and I repented. It doesn't mean 
that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I've always avoided that trap. Sometimes I, but, but I'm more sensitive to that thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid that with the power of the Holy Spirit so I can walk out the freedom from sin because I'm not a slave to that thing. I don't have to do it. It's just my flesh that's warring against the things in the Spirit I, that, that wants those things, so I'm doing the things I don't want to do, right? And that's that sin. i got to crucify that flesh daily and live in a way that's going to please and honor God and not gratify the desires of my flesh so someone will pat me on the back and tell me I'm okay, tell me I'm good. No, I, psh, I, I'm holding on to this just like everybody else from time to time. And I'm showing you this today so that you can do the thing we all need to do with our security blankets. Let them go. Let them go. And give them to God and say, God, I, I, I am not good. I need you. I need your goodness and I need your grace. And you have become more than enough because Christ alone has saved us for the glory of God. To attribute our efforts into the redemption story is to rob God of his glory if we think somehow we are saved by what we've done. To say we're good because of the good we do and because God knows our hearts and all these other things, it's not in our effort that we should find comfort. Amen, somebody. It is not in our effort that we should find comfort. It is only in the goodness of God. I personally get to benefit from what Christ did, but the ultimate thing that my salvation should bring is not me comfort, it's glory to God. That's what it should ultimately bring. It should bring glory to God. And here's the thing, that my response to the gospel, the way I respond to it, is an indication I've received the gospel. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1 and let's read about the gospel. Ephesians 1. This is good news. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, he says this after giving them a greeting. He says, Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in, uh, in, heaven, in, in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to be praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us all with wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things under heaven and things on the earth. Verse 11, in him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things for the good to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it for the praise of his glory." the praise of his glory. And I don't know about you, but when I read that passage of scripture, it makes me want to do backflips, Blues Brother church scene style. (laughs) 
where I get so excited about the fact that God has done something in me that I could not do in my own strength, but He's done it for His glory. He's done it for His glory, not for my glory. I just get to benefit from it, but it's ultimately for His glory to show how good He is, not for me to show how good I am. Amen? And the way I respond to the gospel is an, indi is an indication I've received it because this is the greatest news you will ever hear. The gospel, God's grace has freely been given to us and what's your role in the deal? To freely receive. That's your role. It changes us from the root, from the inside out. Then we begin to live with a different standard, a different purpose, a different focus. And my everyday life then shifts. It becomes now a pursuit of serving my Redeemer, my Savior. Not because somebody told me I'm supposed to. Not because it's just the right thing to do. But because I am compelled as a response to the goodness of Jesus Christ that I want to present my body as a living sacrifice in light of His great mercy. It's my reasonable act of worship. And it should be much more than Sunday for an hour. It should be something I am compelled to do because I see the richness and the vastness of the gospel and the goodness of our Lord. And it should, want me, it should make me want to give Him my full devotion. I'm overwhelmed by His goodness and my life now becomes that living sacrifice and I no longer fear death because what can man do unto me? He can kill the body, but he has no say-so over my soul. And once you awaken to your need for Christ being the answer to your need, you cannot help but desire to glorify God both now in the present and forever. Where we're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen, someone? This is one of the evidences of our salvation. A desire to, to bring honor to and to glorify God, to make His name known to let other people know what He's done in your life, how He's rescued you from the pit and set your feet on a solid rock, how your eternity is now secure through what Christ has done in His grace, not something I'm holding on to. So here's how I want us to end the series. Here's what I want us to do next. I want to go ahead and ask the prayer team to go ahead and come up front. If you guys would just come up front and just kind of make a line. Prayer team, go ahead and come. Could you go ahead and get me some music going, Brooke? I want you to go ahead and come, prayer team, and we're going to drop our security blankets this morning. And we're going to cling to Scripture alone. So it's coming from the Word. What we see is our greatest need and what is the greatest solution to our need, and that's Jesus Christ. And we're going to receive it by faith alone. And we're going to receive His grace alone that has done what we could not do in our own strength and it is in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. And this morning, what I want us to do, if you have been confronted this morning, listen, I don't care if you're the type of person, you come in here, you're like, I don't know Christ, and, and, and now I'm coming to Christ for the first time, or if you're someone, I've been in the church for 50, 60, 70 years, I don't care how long you would say you've been in the church or you've been a believer. We all have things God and the Holy Spirit are confronting about uh, us about probably at this very moment. Maybe even online, someone's confronting you. Someone's been confronted with this message, and the Holy Spirit is working on you right now. 
your altar team, your prayer team is, is your moderator. If you need that person, reach out to them. But here's the thing. We got to drop our security blankets. The things that make us say, I'm good. And we got to cling tightly to the cross. And over the next few minutes, I want us to spend some time. If you need to, God's bringing you to a place of repentance. If he's showing you, man, that glory thief thing, that's been me. If that's you, then you need to repent. And maybe you need to do something very hard this morning, something very difficult, something that pushes you right outside of what has been comfortable for you. And that would be making a move, actually coming down front, maybe kneeling and just making an altar right here. Maybe some of you need to write some things down. You need to write down what God is wanting you to give up that's your security blanket. Because maybe on your security blanket, it doesn't say I'm good. Maybe your security blanket says something else. And you need to let that thing go today. You need to release that thing. We have these cards that are in these baskets on, on either side of the stage. They said, I said yes to God. And you can write down in here what you said yes to God about. Maybe some of you need to go and get a card out of that basket. Write down what God is telling you that you need to say yes to him about. And you need to give that thing to him. And it just needs to be something tangible that you need to actually physically do something. Because listen to me, it's good to make a decision in your heart right here where you're sitting all comfortable and all nice and it's all good and everybody's fine and, and we're all comfortable and cozy and we're just kind of, you know, sitting here together in the room and it's good to go, oh, in my heart I'm making this decision. But God may be telling you just sitting there is not enough because he wants you to actually physically make a move to do something, to let someone pray for you, to maybe make an altar in your seat where you're at, to kneel, whatever the case may be, as a position of humility, because maybe it's pride, maybe pride is your issue. And maybe God is saying, it's time to let go of the pride. That's what's been hurting your marriage, that's what's been hurting your relationships, has been that pride. And he's saying, that's the thing you're holding on to, that you're good and the other person's bad. Let it go today. Let it go at the feet of Jesus. Church, I'm telling you, eternity is hanging in the balance today, and I want you to move past what's comfortable. Who cares what everybody else thinks? This is between you and God right now, and it's time for you to do business with God because he's brought you to this place today. You are not here by accident. You are here by divine appointment. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do something in you. And some of you may be leaders in this church and you need to lead the way and you need to come forward. Some of you need to make the first move. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to stand up and I want us to just make it a little easier. So go ahead. Yep, yep, that's right. And if you need to come forward, I want you to come forward. If you need to kneel, you need to kneel. If you need to pray, let's pray. We're going to spend the next few minutes just praying for people. And if you are not coming down here, then I want you to spend the time where you are standing, where you are at, praying for those who are. We're not here to judge one another. This isn't we're trying to point fingers. Who cares what other people think? Today may be the day for your salvation. Maybe today is the day you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and your eternity is made different today because of the message of the gospel. Maybe today heaven is cheering with you, with your new church family, that you are saved because Christ has become more than enough for you, that you've let go of your security blanket. So would you pray? Would you just pray, please? Would you just take some time and just pray? Would you just pray? Would you say, God, move on people's hearts? 
Help us to repent of our sin. Would you just pray right now, church? Come on, pray. Would you just pray and say, Lord, would you move in people's hearts and do what only you can do? God, would you help us to see our need for you and cry out to you? God, would you help people to walk in newness of freedom that you've already bought and paid for? Jesus, you don't have to die on the cross again. Once was enough. And so, Lord, if we're not walking in that freedom, help us to realize what's in the way. Help us to realize what's in the way. And Lord, let us lay it down at your feet. Let us lay it down at your feet because you are worthy. Lord, no good thing in us exists except Christ and let Christ be enough. Let us not trust in tradition. Let us not trust in our good deeds. Let us not trust in our humanitarianism. Let us not trust in our social endeavors. Let us not trust in our generosity. Let us not trust, Father, in the things that we've come to grab onto as a security blanket. Let us trust only in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Let us trust in you and you alone, Jesus because you are enough. You are enough. You alone are enough, and you are worthy. And Lord, we pray that you are honored and magnified and glorified and lifted up, and people are being pointed to you as the source of their hope. Maybe you're here in this place and you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today is the day that you have not made that decision. And today you've been confronted with the truth. Maybe you thought you were a Christ follower. And today God's saying, you've been putting your hope in the wrong things. Put your hope in Christ alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you today, Jesus. And we give you what you're worthy of. And that, Lord, is everything. Out in the commons, don't, be, don't let distractions get in the way. Online, don't let distractions get in the way. Stop casually scrolling through things. This is a moment where God wants to do business with you right now, too. Thank you, Lord. Let us see what we need to see. In Jesus' name.